Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss, who's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio, and we're joined by Dr. Chris Keel, who's going to regale us about what's happening in the U.S. economy, China, and Russia. This will be an interesting conversation today. Chris, thanks for joining us. You're so welcome, and and welcome to your your microphone that people are making fun of, and you know I think it's outstanding. You know it's vintage. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think Tim has to get me one for my birthday. There you go. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know where to start first, Chris, but China is interesting to me. I was just reading an article, and you know they put out uh, purchasing managers index numbers mm-hmm. every month that are. If we had those numbers, we would be booming. But they have those numbers, and they're not very happy. Yeah, and you got to put a little bit of a grain of salt with the Chinese data in general. And it's not that they are as deliberately obfuscating as the Soviet Union did in its day, and Russia still does. But there are three different PMIs that the Chinese will look at. And the one that gets published most regularly focuses almost exclusively on large businesses, many of which are state-owned or state-invested in. And those generally perform a little better than the rest of the manufacturing sector because they have state support. There's another version that comes out of a bank um, out of Hong Kong that carries on a little bit more detail with the smaller manufacturers, and they're the ones that are having some of the more critical issues. And their numbers are generally, oh, anywhere from four to five points lower. So if the PMI that China is broadcasting is upper 40s, low 50s, the other one is low 40s to mid 40s. So it's showing a lot more distress um, at that level. So it's it's like with any data, you know, you have to kind of consider the source. So what kind of distress is China in? You mentioned pre-show that you know, historically they've had one or two problems. Now they have five or six. Yeah, I mean, the conversation now is around the combination of things that China is up against. And the assessment in the past was that they could probably work their way through one or two or even three of these. But if they're all coming at once, then it begins to seriously slow down the economy. It doesn't mean that China is going to vanish as a a factor. It's still the second largest economy in the world. But when you start to detail the issues, you have a slowing economy, as we just talked about. Um, they're unlikely to hit their 5% target this year. They have youth unemployment, uh, somewhere around 20%, and these are mostly educated students. And they expected, after all those sacrifices, to get a good job and make lots of money. Well, they're not. Um, there's not enough work for them. Number three, they're dealing with a real exodus of foreign investment. We've always been a big part of China's growth because U.S. companies, European companies investing in China, everybody had the same attitude. Wow, if we could just sell one of these things to all one billion Chinese, we'd make a billion dollars. And it's like, okay, but a billion Chinese have no money. So what do they expect to buy that with? Whatever. 
But we threw a lot of money at China, which we now aren't. You know, that started to decline during the lockdowns and then has continued to decline because of the tension. And then you've got the basically the property collapse. I mean, you've got this massive and people have been expecting this for a while. Construction of housing, it just was way past where the demand was. And so now you have all these big property organizations crashing and burning uh, almost on a weekly basis. All of this combines with the fact that you're also seeing a weakening Chinese currency. It's down 6% against the dollar in just the last month. And this compromises their imports. And we think about China as an export country. They also import a lot of stuff, not necessarily from us, but they imported oil and, and all kinds of things which are denominated in dollars. And that's part of why China has been trying to figure out ways to do business with other countries and not use dollars, because the dollar value for them has gotten costly. All of those things together put a lot of pressure on the government to solve a whole lot of problems at once. And the solution for each of these problems makes the other problems worse. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like, okay, if I solve this, well, then that makes this worse. Then if I solve that, then that makes this worse. And then if I try to solve all of them, they all get worse. And so not a great place to be. No, it doesn't sound like it. Um, before we pop over to Russia, I want to I want to uh, talk to you a bit about BRICS. B R I C. I'm not sure everyone is familiar with what's happening with BRICS and their attempt to displace the dollar as the world currency. What's going on with BRICS at the moment? Yeah, BRIC was a term that was coined probably 10 years ago, and it was then used to describe what we thought were the emerging new markets. It was Brazil. Russia, India, China. Well, even from the very beginning, those four countries don't have a lot in common. And and you've even got hostility between the Indians and the Chinese. It became pretty obvious within a few years that these countries were not necessarily going to be the dominant countries. I mean, Brazil forever has been referred to as the country of the future and always will be um <laughs> never quite pulls itself together so now they're trying to resurrect the brits but they've added a bunch of members and so now i think it's the brick ha. you know i mean it's got <laughs> south africa's in it iran is in it iraq is thinking of going into it you've got this weird collection of nations and i'm saudi arabia and iran in the same organization that ought to go well you know i can just see that meeting you know once they quit beating each other with sticks maybe they'll start to figure out what to do next and it's like all it really boils down to is that they want to figure out a way to trade between each other without necessarily going into dollars but if you've got saudi arabia in it the saudis are like no, 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 no. We, we want to deal with dollars because we sell our oil, we get dollars, and we build amazing things with it and, and go and buy yachts and fly on private airplanes. And what the hell are we supposed to do with a Brazilian peso? You know, why on earth would we want a Russian ruble? You know, give me a break. <laughs> 
Um, so I think the bricks are going to be better described as a B R I C T, just a brick, um, and much else. Not going before, to. We, before we do switch to Russia, I have one question to ask you about China. China's in, in serious uh, troubles. They got serious problems, which we just uh, rehashed. Um, their PMI came out the other day, if you believe the number, it was 49 something, which means mm -hmm. it's probably 39 something. Uh, <laughs> as you pointed out, it's uh, it depends on the source who's giving you that number. But the point is that they're below 50 for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No ways about it. Um, the United States, we still got our problems. Inflation is getting better. Uh, Tim made a point uh, the other day about our GDP being something like 5%, uh, which we have to talk about a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's the, the Every, real GDP, not the... Uh, yeah. Oh, you want the, you want the real GDP, yeah. not the not. political <laughs> one. Okay. Exactly. Okay. The point being that we're we're buying less from China now because of tariffs. Uh, as a result, there are uh, companies leaving China, uh, mm -hmm. coming back, reshoring and nearshoring back to the United States. So here we have all these companies leaving China, manufacturers leaving China, coming back to the U.S. We don't have enough people to fill the jobs. Our economy is kind of mixed up and i don't get it right yeah i mean it's what you've seen is reshoring motivated by two things um and kind of ignoring the challenges the big motivation initially was the supply chain people were very upset with the impact of covid and the lockdown and container ships held up at ports for weeks blah 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 so people began to move simply to avoid that supply chain mess. And then as companies began to evaluate their China position, they realized that China had become more expensive. And part of that was deliberate. I mean, when Xi came to power in China, he wanted to break China's dependence on exports. And the way to do that was to create his own consumer class. To do that, you have to pay your consumers more. And so China has undergone tremendous change and, you know, five, six thousand percent increase in wages for certain people. Well, that's the good news. You're creating a consumer class. The bad news is you're no longer the low cost production platform you used to be. And so China is not only seeing reshoring to the U.S., but we've seen the movement to Vietnam, to Thailand, to Malaysia, to Indonesia, to Korea, anywhere else that people can go. That's why India is growing so fast. India is picking up more of that business than we are. And, and you make the point that we have to contend with. We're seeing this manufacturing come back to the U.S. when we already have a worker shortage. So where are we going to find people for the companies that are moving back? The companies that are moving back are the ones who are more robotic, more automated, more technological, don't need as many people. Um, therefore, it's easier for them. But, and you mentioned nearshoring, that's really uh, the change is Mexico has picked up a tremendous amount of, of manufacturing 
business in just the last few years. Manufacturing is by far the biggest export of Mexico now. I mean, it used to be that oil and tourism were the big money makers for Mexico. Manufacturing now dwarfs both of them. And not only that, when goods come in from Asia to the U.S., they're not going through the Panama Canal because uh -huh. there's a drought. No right. one gets through Panama Canal. So they dump the stuff on the west coast of Mexico, and the U.S. gets screwed again. Well, and that's something that's even going to accelerate faster. And I think we've even talked about this in previous shows. There was a merger of Kansas City Southern Railroad and Canadian Pacific Railroad. They now are KCCP. And that is done deliberately to shift freight volumes away from the West Coast. Comes in through Lazaro Cardenas in Mexico, Vancouver in Canada and then gets railed to the middle of the United States for break bulk and distribution. So that trend is going to accelerate even more aggressively because Lazaro is still like 40% developed. I mean, there's still a lot more space. You look at the ports in the West Coast, Long Beach, L.A., San Francisco, Oakland, they're landlocked. They can't grow. I mean, they couldn't get bigger if they tried. Lazaro, hey, we got plenty of space. Um, so... And then you get into all kinds of arguments around, for example, the UAW strike. I mean, the media is talking a lot about the pay raises that they want and pensions and all the rest of that. What's really at issue is is the amount of manufacturing of automobiles taking place in Mexico. Now, the number one manufacturing export for Mexico is vehicles. And so kind of the hidden issue with UAW is will probably give way on wages and pensions and all that stuff. What we want is more of the jobs to stay in the U.S., which may be tricky because we just did something else in Asia that could make that challenging. We read briefly about Biden visiting South Korea and Japan, and what he wants is those two countries to quit beating each other up and combine on China. Because we get along with Japan, we get along with South Korea, Japan and South Korea hate each other. And so we're sort of like, if you guys will set it out and actually work together on China, we'll give you more access to a lot of motor sector. And the South Koreans and Japanese are like, oh, you now have my attention. <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Yep. So let's talk about our comrades over in Eurasia, Russia. War is expensive. How are they doing? They are not doing well. Their economy has been deteriorating for literally the moment they invaded Ukraine. Uh, we'd mentioned before the, the show began that the Russians are actively trying to recruit mercenaries out of Cuba. You know, so that should tell you something about their level of desperation because we apparently... When you shoot the head of your other mercenary army or put him in a plane that suddenly crashes, the, the Wagner troops are not nearly as interested in fighting for you as they were a minute ago. So now you need new troops. And so it, it's become something of a war of attrition. And it's, it's something that 
weirdly enough, kind of benefits the U.S. in a strange way. We forget how important the defense sector is to our economic growth. And even though people are decrying the amount of money that's going into supporting Ukraine, we need to remember that 89% of that money never leaves the United States. It's it's not like we're over there fighting. We're sending them stuff. We're an arms dealer, you know, and and the stuff that we're selling them, I mean, missiles are one use only, you know, so once you shoot it, you need another one. And the company that makes those outside Birmingham, Alabama, well, it's working three shifts, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So the people in Alabama are like, well, I kind of like this here Ukraine war. <laughs> it's 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 manta rays for me. Um, so there you go. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Lou and I were discussing as we put together manufacturing outlook, our free monthly uh, easing, our digital easing, about GDP growth in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is supposed to be one one point two something like that, and real GDP which is about three times that. Yeah, it, it, statistics can be a lot of fun. And it, it's always a matter of, you know, they send garbage in, garbage on. There's a lot of different ways to figure GDP. At the simplest, it is supposed to be the collection of goods and services that your country produces. The goods part is pretty simple. I mean, all you really have to do is kind of count it up, and it takes a while to do that, but you can the services part becomes challenging because if you have, say, a law firm that's operating in the United States, but all of your clients are overseas, it's not easy to figure out, you know, because you have an office over there, too, and where's the money and who's making it. I mean, to give an example, not the U.S., but Europe, to show you how we can distort Europe's industrial numbers are really, really good. I mean, they were talking about growth somewhere in the three to four percent. All of it accounted for by Ireland. And you're like, how is Ireland being the industrial center of Europe? Well, it's because these companies in high tech and pharma are headquartered in Ireland because of the tax situation. Their production is in Korea and Thailand and Taiwan. So the actual production is nowhere near Ireland. Ireland is credited for the production because the headquarters is in Dublin. (laughs) So the Irish are like, wow, we're leading in production, but there's five people working. (laughs) And then, of course, there's Germany. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it you always have this desire to kind of dig deeper into the numbers. Right now, the GDP estimate for third quarter, at least as far as the Atlanta Fed and their GDP now study, is over 3%. The last two quarters, we've been at 2.3, 2.1 to 2.3. So we're about at our 20, 25-year average But you can break that GDP data down, just like employment. I mean, you hear people say the unemployment rate is 3.8. Well, actually, that's the U3 version. The U6 version, it's 7.3. And it's like, oh, what's the difference? Well, U6 counts people that aren't getting unemployment. U3 is just people who were formerly in the system. 
And, you know, that's why you get numbers like unemployment in Mexico is 2%. What? It, what? You know, well, that's because Mexico does not count you as unemployed unless you're formally in the system. So the, the millions of people who are living in villages someplace apparently are not official people. So they're not counted as employed or unemployed. They're just humanoids out there, you know, so. So that sounds like the U.S. is doing pretty well. We are. I mean, we're we have escaped recession now for four quarters, much to the dismay of economists who have been predicting recession for four quarters. And <laughs> this is my plea to the government. Would you please quit making us look so stupid and actually go into a recession so we can be justified in our predictions? <laughs> but we keep missing it. And it's partly because of consumers. I mean, it's kind of the double-edged sword of a worker shortage. The worker shortage has meant that wages have gone up. And if wages go up, then people have more money to spend. And so you've got a circumstance now where those people who've been able to see their wages go up are sustaining a lot of growth. And, you know, if you're a UPS driver that's making $170,000 a year, well, by God, you can buy a boat. Um, and you know, maybe you have, and all of a sudden it's like, well, boat sales are up. Why? Well, because UPS drivers are making 170,000 a year. <laughs> so it isn't a direct connection, but it's close. So, <laughs> well, I go past, I go past the strip mall here in New Jersey at around two o'clock in the afternoon. And what do I see? 15 UPS trucks all parked in the back parking lot all some of them are playing cards some of them are eating sandwiches unbelievable and they my, make 175,000 yeah and, and my my favorite my favorite ups joke that's come out is that everybody is now changing their tinder photos to show them in a brown uniform instead of you know like a doctor or a lawyer it's like hey babe date me <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm making more money than the doctor or the lawyer. Exactly, exactly. Don't 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 go, don't go slumming with the doctor. You know. <laughs> well, Chris, we always appreciate your insight because on serious topics, we at least get a little levity. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, you know, they say if you don't laugh about this stuff, you just want to cry. So, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, and the two are. Readers of Manufacturing Outlook, which will be out, uh, we look to about next week. Look forward to Chris's write-up on North America, which includes Canada and Mexico, as well as the U.S. And, and just as a preview well, on that, um, I, I reveal, I feel like a magician revealing his secrets. I reveal why it is that economists use scenarios. Because if you put all the scenarios out there, you can't be wrong. You can just sit there and say, well, it was scenario one, or maybe two, or maybe three. And basically, you have it all covered, and it's it's called CYA in some circles. Yes. Well, Lou, good to see you again. Good, and uh, good to see you, Chris. And I want to remind our listeners, if you like the show, and how could you not, make sure you hit subscribe and the like button. We would really appreciate it. We'd like to know what you all are thinking about what we do, what our guests do, 
and if we're making a contribution into your lives. So thank you for that. Thank you, Chris. And thank uh, you. We'll see you next week or month. All right. Tim. <laughs> Tomorrow. Bye. 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 Here today. How was Wisconsin? Oh, Wisconsin was wonderful after the creative chaos. We arrived at our destination to check into our cabin, which had been bulldozed. It didn't exist. <laughs> I think you should stick with my idea. Skip Wisconsin. <laughs> Bye, all. Exactly. Bye. See ya. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please like and subscribe, share on social media, or leave a review. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Rumble, or your favorite podcast app. Visit us online at mfgtalkradio.com for our other episodes. We have also included links to our advertisers below. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.